look at verses 10 and 11 together. I know your hearts as mine have been prepared through construction, through song, to hear the word preached this morning. I trust that's the case. I suppose it should be a difficult thing to not be prepared to hear the preaching of God's word when we're under the sound of that word and song from each other and through the instruments. Trust your hearts prepared. 1 Peter chapter 4, and we'll look at verses 10 and 11 this morning. Let's pray before we look into the word and just some good news before we pray. Uh, We had two folks uh, come to know Christ as their Savior this past week in our church. Multiple opportunities for many of you to share Christ with folks, family members and co-workers. Um, We've had the privilege of having Al and Brenda Smetana back in worship with us after a very difficult bout with uh, this virus. So welcome back to both of you. It's great to see you. And um, and, uh, got a text from Jacob uh, Bernhardt, just as we were about ready to sing our first hymn, saying that uh, they're not here this morning because they're at the hospital preparing to bring Noah home tomorrow. So that was it's a miracle in itself when we went from wondering if he was going to be uh, even with us when he arrived, let alone coming home. So we have much to rejoice uh, in the Lord for. So let's do that as we prepare to dig into his word, okay? Lord, we're thrilled the salvation of these two dear friends of ours who have come to know the Lord Jesus as their Savior this past week. We thank you for a family member that loved and prayed for them for years. We thank you for those who have come alongside them to disciple them. We thank you, Lord, for the thrill that the body has to see you perform really a miracle that only your grace can perform in a human heart. To be renewed and to be uh, spiritually reborn. We thank you, Lord. We rejoice in that. We rejoice in your healing for the Smetanas and and others, Lord, who are even here this morning after recent uh, difficult health trials. So glad to be together as your family. We thank you for your grace that's allowed that to be. And Lord, we rejoice with the Bernhardts this morning. Day by day and with each passing moment, strength we find. To persevere through our trials here. It's been a blessing for all of us to be eyewitnesses of your grace, your healing grace with little Noah. Your sustaining grace for Jacob. Joanna and Freddie, and we rejoice with them. We anticipate with them being able to bring little Noah home tomorrow. We we just thank you. I 
pray, Lord, that they would continue to know your grace, to consider it joy as they persevere through this little trial in the midst of eternal grand scheme of things that you've, you've given to them that is only bearable by your grace with the help of your spirit-filled people. So while it is a great trial, humanly speaking, we thank you by your grace that you make it endurable, livable, even with joy. Because of help that we receive from heaven. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's read verses 10 and 11, 1 Peter chapter 4. As each one of you has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. And whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies so that in all things God may be glorified through Christ to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. We've taken this passage and divided it into a handful of sections over the last few weeks together. And we've done so as kind of an aside of reminder and encouragement by way of reminder of how believers joyfully persevere in times of crisis. And we've taken this aside apart from our normal study in 2 Corinthians, and we'll get back to that here shortly. Um, But we've considered verse 7, which taught us that in times of crisis, that... The Spirit of God would prompt us together to be excited about the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. The end of all things is near. We find our way to certainly bathe our lives in much more prayer in times of crisis personally and then together as we keep sober And sound in our judgment, sober in our spirit, sound in our judgment for the purpose of prayer. We we found our way together, verse 8, to keep fervent in our love for one another because love covers over a multitude of sins. We found it necessary that in a time of crisis that we, we be a forgiving people. As the psalmist says, without forgiveness, who could stand up? Verse 9, in times of crisis, we need to be more available for each other, don't we? It's a present active imperative there, a command, be hospitable to one another and do so without complaint. And that's where we invested our time last week, to be available willingly. And this morning we finish up with our final exhortation in this short passage, to serve faithfully, to serve faithfully. Many of us have had the privilege of watching one believer come to the aid and to compel another believer to press forward in their Christian walk when life has gotten heavy for them. You may have been eyewitness to a Christian stepping to the bedside 
of another believer who's on hospice and in the last moments of their life on this earth, the body of the dying saint is in an immense amount of agony. The agony is causing spiritual doubt and intense struggle. They're not experiencing what's commonly known as dying grace. A touch from the visiting saint on their forehead, maybe a whisper in the ear of an I love you and we all love you, along with the softly spoken scripture text, be not afraid for I am with you, the Lord says. Be not dismayed for I am thy God. I will strengthen you, I will help you. I will uphold you by the right hand of my righteousness. The Lord says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The saint who's breathing their last few breaths, the side of heaven physically begins to settle. Their facial stress moves to a peace. Everyone in the room is also calming down and refocusing now on the promises of God as opposed to disease that's eventually going to take all of us. I've been personally helped, and I know many of you have too, by someone who shows up into your life when life is falling apart. They may even knock at your front door at the most inopportune time, and you're reluctant to answer it because you may be ashamed at the mess they might see. Immediately you begin to weep because as if life isn't unbearable enough, now you have to see a person you don't want to see. They will see a mess that you don't want them to see. But they know you're home. You left the garage door open and your car's in the driveway. And they saw the mess in your garage too. You quickly wipe away the tears throw on a long coat so they don't realize you're still in your pajamas at four o'clock in the afternoon. And you answer the door having gathered yourself up as much as possible. And the Christian guest says, God laid it on my heart to just help you today. I'm going to rake your leaves. I'm going to clean your gutters. I'm going to fill up all your gas tanks, including the ones in your barn. I'm even going to make sure all those acorns are off your backyard so your grass can grow in the spring. And by the way, I'm going to ask you for the paint color that's on the door trim of your house because I noticed all the door frames need painted and I'll be back next week to do that. Maybe you've been in a dark time discouraged by your own spiritual shortcomings. And as you walk in the house to the kitchen table and you see the mail, there's a, a note addressed to you. You opened it and it's a scripture text and a kind word reminding you of the forgiveness of God. And what Christian in the world could stand up and to walk without it? You might wonder, how in the world did this person know that I was struggling? 
They just knew without knowing the details. That's why they wrote you. Being governed by the Spirit, that's why they even thought about you. Most of us have had times where we're a little short on cash. Really short. Like so short it was hard to get up and go to work because you didn't know if you had enough gas in your tank to even get there, let alone back home again. With the power even beyond when you got back home that night, your electric bill hasn't been paid for a couple months. You walk out to your car and there's an envelope snuggled underneath the windshield wiper that morning as you ventured off to work. And inside that envelope is $300 cash. That's enough to fill the tank to keep your electric on. Maybe God the Spirit isn't done with, done with me yet, you think. Maybe he will get me through this. Have you ever been asked to carve out time in your schedule to be with other believer in their home, other believers in their homes? I know all of you are asked numerous times during the course of the year to get together in various homes in your fellowship groups. And we all love those times. But this particular time, you're asked one more time to gather in a home and there's just nothing in your schedule that's open. You're so behind on everything. Literally everything. But there's something inside you that says just go. Just oblige Plan to leave early and get back to the stuff that you need to do. You arrive at the home, the host opens the door, this amazing smiling face asks you to excuse, excuse the, messes, the messes that their kids have made. After he greets you, he rushes to close the laundry room door because he knows his wife would not want anyone to see what happens in that room. He rushes back to take your coat. The kids rush down the hallway to greet you. His wife follows behind with a warm embrace. And at that moment, it seems like you could stay all night. And the layers of stuff you have to do will just have to get done sometime. And they just don't matter as much anymore. You spend the rest of the night just amazed how God's people can change your day and your month in just a short time. Have you ever dragged yourself to church to assemble with the people of God out of mere obligation? Was that you this morning? Have there been Sundays where even the thought of going to church is just shy of repulsive to you? Even if you have the inclination to go, how in the world does it stay a priority in my life? In those moments, only God's grace can push you out the door to your car and then you see it's frozen over with snow and ice. And your door is even frozen shut. Again, only the grace of God can pull you back into the house for some hot water to throw on the door. And you hope you can get it warmed up fast enough where the door doesn't ice over and actually shuts on your way to the church. 
You start the car to warm it up while you scrape it. Snow is getting all over your nice clothes. You know, it's going to melt and make you wet once you're in the car. And you're going to have to sit through Sunday school a little damp. Once I get there, who's going to even notice me anyway? Who even cares that I'm there? Who's even going to notice that I'm only there because I feel like I have to be there? Even the pastors and leaders seem too busy to care that I exist. You take your seat in the Sunday school classroom, you open your Bible to the text and it's read, cast your burdens on the Lord because he cares for you. The teacher, and boy, can they teach. Like, I can't teach like that. And that even drives you deeper into discouragement because I could never be what they are. And then they eloquently go on to state that, you know, this, this verse only talks about two persons, you and God. One has a burden and the other wants to carry it. They go on to say, if you only had life to live with God, would he be enough for you? The teacher goes on to say, cast your burden on him, even if it seems no one else will help you carry it. He is your all in all. He is your identity. And since God is enough, since Jesus is enough, don't let your cares and troubles be enough. Don't let what you can see that has been your identity, your problems, continue to control you. Let God carry your burden and let him and his word minister to the needs of your soul. You walk from the classroom into the auditorium You've been taught and encouraged already, so now your eyes are lifted up a bit more. You're noticing spiritual things. Someone is making a beeline towards you. The person you never wanted to see when you were wet and cold and on the way to church, just out of mere obligation, is sprinting towards you. Shyly and somewhat reluctantly, you let them speak. They tell you that they love you. They tell you that the specific burden you are carrying, they would like to carry with you. And they offer to pray with you. Because they know the Lord is capable. And you ask yourself, how did they even know? You're completely dry now. Your head is lifted up even more. You say, I feel like maybe even I could sing or at least hum a little bit. You think, boy, wouldn't it be incredible if we sang Great is Thy Faithfulness today? That's my favorite hymn. And the first hymn is announced, and yes, that's the song selected. You just want to stand there and listen to the first stanza. All of a sudden, voices around you you've never listened to 
seem like they're shouting the truths of the Bible in that hymn into your ears. You're being instructed by the saints. You look across the aisle and there's brother and sister so-and-so and they're singing with tears at the top of their lungs and he has stage four lung cancer. You join them on the remaining stanzas. The words are actually exhorting your soul now. You're self-ministering as you're being ministered to. Then there's time for the sermon. Your heart is prepared to listen and apply. And it's ready because you've been instructed in the word. And now you can be challenged by the same. You see, folks, the devil would like to make us all think that there are all stars in the church. I can tell you with confidence that there's not one here this morning. Every person of faith here on this Lord's Day could probably find some time in themselves, in the past, maybe similar situations we've detailed this morning. Because you know there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to everybody. There are two things common to all of us of faith, Jesus Christ and daily struggle. If you're in Christ, you struggle. If you're in Christ, you struggle in the most unique and most difficult ways. Isn't that what Jesus would say would be the reality of those who followed him? He said, take my yoke upon you, take my burden upon you, and learn of me. Didn't Jesus say, blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake? Doesn't Peter say within the same chapter of our context this morning, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. Knowing none of us are all-stars in the faith, Knowing we have two things in common, Jesus and our struggles. Haven't we all needed and don't we all need the aforementioned encouragements of the people of God? A common Christ and a common struggle compels us to embrace a common encouragement in all of its varied and wonderful forms. And this brings us back to our text today that we've already read. This brings us back to a text that we know so much about that we very rarely sit and meditate upon its personal significance to us and its divine influence on the flock as being the family of God. 
because when we talk about a text like this, we use very, very familiar terms. Terms that I even hesitate to use this morning because I feel the temptation would be that they're all so familiar to you, you might just check out and say, I know this stuff. And then forget all of those stories that we spent our time discussing and relating this morning that are significant. They're significant stories because those who are ministering in the context of those stories have actually been divinely gifted for your perseverance. And for the glory of God by Jesus Christ. Isn't that what the text says? If you look at the latter part of verse 11, those who serve do so by the strength of God. Those who speak, speak the utterances of God. Doesn't verse 10 say that whatever these special abilities are or sourced in the grace of God? These oh wow, aha moments of seemingly out of the thin air, times of encouragement and conviction and comfort are all part of God's gifting grace. They all come from His Word. These are His utterances and they're all from His strength which He supplies. And the answer is yes. Why? The purpose is right there. So that in everything not just when you're gathered together as a body which we're encouraged in scripture to do more and more but when you're apart from the body ministering to the body in its parts so that in all things God may be glorified and I just think of 1 Corinthians 10 31 right whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Amen. That's what Peter's saying here. In all things, in all things, God would be glorified through Jesus Christ. That because you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are able to glorify God by the grace, by the utterances, and by the strength he provides you. So God's the superhero here. And none of you. None of me. And we're actually able to have him be glorified. We're actually able to, in the moment that we touch a forehead... And if you have the gift of mercy, speak 
loving words of scriptural encouragement into someone's ear in their dying hour to take their soul that's an absolute guttural turmoil settle it down you know what the glory of God is friends it's his attributes speaking through you as a gifted Christian in that moment God designed you in that hour to be the demonstration of his peace and his comfort and you're the channel through a spiritual gift of mercy no one else in the room could do that who in the world put that soul in your mind and on your heart in such a heavy way where their face and their name kept coming up in your mind's eye and you were hard pressed to go help them clean gutters, rake acorns, paint door trim. Why such a heavy burden? Why them? Why now? That's the Spirit of God who indwells you, who also gifted you with the spiritual gift of helps. And in that hour, at that time, no one can uniquely minister to that burdened soul like God can through you. Nobody. You've been driving to work for a week thinking about someone in the church. You say, Lord, I got $300 cash in my wallet. Why does it seem like it's always there? Like, I don't need it. And this person keeps coming to mind. And <clears throat> Maybe, Lord, it's because I overheard a conversation with them in the lobby with somebody else after church, and I know they're hurting. And they, just, they just won't get off my mind. And this 300 bucks is in my wallet. It's in my purse. And I'm not spending it. I don't need it. And they're in my mind. They won't go away. So late on a Saturday night, you get yourself out of bed. Two o'clock on a sunny morning. Drive over in the bitter cold. Park at the edge of the driveway. Get out. Put that 300 bucks in an envelope. Slip underneath their icy windshield wiper. And you get back in your car and you walk away. Drive away. In that hour, at that moment, you are the glory of God through the gift of giving to that person. You are the strength of God. You are the grace of God. And you become the essential tool that God uses to keep that soul persevering. End of story.
You see, folks, this is just part of the divine miracle that God transacts upon every one of our souls the moment that we're born again. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13 teaches us that we're all baptized by the Spirit of God into Christ. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 4 through 7 teaches us that at that moment we're all given at least one spiritual ability. It's almost like you become by God's grace a spiritual entrepreneur in that particular ability to encourage the flock. And your gifting is no less substantial, it's no less profitable, it's no less usable than any other personal gifting of any soul in the church. So just as we all share a common Christ and we all share a common struggle, we all share a common ability to help those of us who have a common Christ and a common struggle walk in common encouragement and we share that with each other. As a matter of fact, we don't persevere with it well at all. And in the doing and the practicing of those special gifts that God gives you, the very attributes of God are manifested through you, which is His glory at that moment. That's what makes it so divine and transcendent. Because you know only God could do that. How do we practice these gifts? Let's go over to Galatians chapter 5 for a little bit more of a reminder this morning. Galatians chapter 5. Now that we all know we each have at least one gift, one divine ability to demonstrate the very attributes of God towards one another because we all have a common Christ and an indwelling spirit and we've all experienced a common baptism of the spirit into Christ. And How do we do this? How do we do this? suppose that anything that God grants us by his grace by his strength and according to his utterance he would give us a way to do this and he would give us even a how we're to do this but the fruit of the spirit verse 22 is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness gentleness self-control against such things there is no law now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires 
And if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. That's simple. It's all sourced in God. We're able to live out the doing of these special abilities by the indwelling of God, the Spirit, and now we're even given a disposition and a way to do it. Isn't that amazing? If we help, if we administer, if we give, if we teach, if we shepherd, if we're expressing mercy, whatever that gift of speaking or that gift of serving is, it's all sourced in him. We're governed by the Spirit so that we can do his bidding his way. As a matter of fact, verse 25 of Galatians chapter 5 would teach us that we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. It seems to me that these ways, these, this disposition, these practical ways of demonstrating that we're governed by the Spirit would have us be governed by the Spirit into the living of every Christian virtue. So, well, Pastor Tim, I don't have the spiritual divine gift of mercy, so I'm going to choose not to be merciful. Right? It's going to save me a lot of time. Right? Lord, I don't, I don't have the gift of giving, so I'll leave that up for the people that do have it to carry the flock and its burden. Pastor Tim, I don't have the gift of helps. He does, she does, they can never say no, and they're always looking to help other people and rarely help themselves. That's not me, so I'm sure they've got that covered, so I'm not going to be helpful. That all seems so absurd to us, doesn't it? And it should. We're going to live by the Spirit. We're going to walk by the Spirit. We're going to practice things the Spirit of God practices, encourages us to do, and, and He does encourage us to do all these things even though we may not be gifted to do those things. But why the gifted ones? Why the gifted? Why are you gifted? By the Spirit of God. Well, my friends, apparently, according to Peter, while Paul says we're ministering these virtues to one another all the time, whether we're gifted or not, Peter's saying, apparently, in a time of crisis, the gifted ones stand out, and that's you. So who stands out in a time of crisis? God does through you.
and who's needed in a time of crisis? Every one of you is just as essential as the other, and God would have you own that. No all-stars, just gifted people governed by the Spirit in a time of crisis, all hands lovingly on deck because the personal and corporate perseverance of the flock in times of crisis makes you essential to the body. Pastor Tim, I don't know. You say, I I have one of these spiritual gifts that's essential, and I don't know what it is. There's plenty of ways to help you discover what that might be. You say, well, I know what mine is, and quite frankly, and I could at this point list about 35 different reasons and maybe excuses why Christians decide to lay that divine ability God's graced them with, strengthened them with according to his word aside and decide, you know what, I'm just not going to step up in this time of crisis and be God's conduit, be God's pipeline. I'm just not got all these reasons and you know what I appreciate that I live that struggle but what does God's grace compel us to do let's take the excuses let's take the maybe very real reasons and let's put them aside because the gifting is his. So can I say kindly and politely, it's not really yours to choose to use when you feel like it. It's God's property. On loan to you. And what does the text say? We are to be good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Because that, have you ever seen a fire hydrant flushed? Right? You know, they they spin that bolt and that thing pops off and then they take the wrench and they turn it on. It's never just a trickle. (laughs) Right? I mean, that water just bursts out into the road. And if you're driving down, a lot of times you'll have cones around the perimeter of that spray and you'll have to be inconvenienced and drive around it. That's what the grace of God is like when you're walking with God. Amen. It's like this, this burst that's like this effervescing flow. It's like a divine compulsion. It presses you to do right things. And according to the context, living out your gifting in a time of crisis, everyone's included. I haven't been walking with the Lord like I should. 
If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Come back to fellowship. Let that grace burst forth from you. The body needs that now. I'm not healthy. I'm just too weak. Let's talk together. Because the grace of God would compel you even in a state of physical weakness as he did Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. As he did other saints in the New Testament when they were at their physical weakest point of their lives. He still compelled them to minister their gift to the body especially in a time of crisis. You say, well, Pastor Tim, I could do this anywhere. God has you here now. He has you in this body now. Why? For eternal purposes. For the mutual encouragement of the saints as we minister these to one another, as the text says. Why? Because the body needs strengthened. The body needs your help. God's help through you. Why? Because the body has a mission. And my friends, if, if Satan, who never sleeps, could do one thing, he would try to unsave you, but he knows he can't do that. So he will try to unseat you from the spiritual level of, of influence that God designed just you to have on this body because he wants to thwart your eternal influence in this community and then in our region and then eventually in our world. Satan wants to expunge the gospel from any culture. He lives his whole existence to eradicate the message of Jesus Christ from any people. And he knows how to oppress you. His minions know how to uniquely discourage you and to distract you from living out this gifting sourced in God's grace, his strength, and taught according to his word. So if you put yourself in a timeout because of this grace never stops flowing. And it's a grace of forgiveness. It's a grace of restoration. It's a grace of new beginnings. It's a grace of perseverance. And it's a grace that brings glue to the body for eternal purpose. Lots of faces, lots of names this morning. You're all essential because God made you that way in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you for the simplicity of your word. We're certainly instructed by it and I trust encouraged by it. Just the speaking of your word, Lord, is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword.
pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, even to the joints and marrow of our existence. But yet, Lord, you've asked us to not just read it, but to preach it. And so we've tried, and we have, and we've heard. Whatever force is seeking to peel us apart from one another, and whatever force is seeking to peel us into isolation, I pray we would understand from your word this morning that there's a greater force crying from the heavens to compel us all back to the expression of the glory of God through his gifting, through us, to the strengthening of the body for the progress of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.